Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined once again for another weekly preview episode by the great Kate Majuk. Kate, how's it going? You excited for another week of uh, football? I'm very excited. We've got an interesting Thursday night football matchup that I'm not sure uh, how to feel about. We'll get excited, uh, get into that. But um, I, I just have to say, RIP Zach Moss. Um, I, I need to start off the show by by paying homage to Zach, who's who's carried not just my fantasy team through the first four weeks, or I guess the last three weeks, really. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just want to say thank you because because I, I think he's probably helped a lot of our listeners as well. Yeah, I, I'm with you. We owe a, de- a great debt of gratitude to Mr. Zach Moss. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I, it seems like Jonathan Taylor is going to be back. Um, apparently, it was all about just getting healthy and, and had nothing to do with anything else. Uh, and that he's going to play again. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> uh, it's it seems like Zach Moss's run here uh, might be coming to an end, which is unfortunate because he was very useful for us. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited to go into another stretch of games here for for this week. And we got a couple teams on bye week, uh, Cleveland, uh, Tampa Bay, Seattle and the Chargers are all on a bye week this week. So um, gives us two less games to talk about, but we're still going to go game by game again here. Um, hit on those key players and matchups throughout as we as we have each of the past four weeks as well. So um, I'll also be sure to add the timestamps in uh, in the episode description again so people can kind of jump around and find the games that they're looking for. Um, but yeah, excited to get into it. Uh, before we do, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor fabric by Gerber life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with high quality, with quality Policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company. Not available in certain states. Price subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, let's get into it here, Kate, uh, and start it off with another Thursday night banger, the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders. Um, there are at least some interesting players in this one. So I'll start with you. What, what are the first things that you're kind of looking for um, in this one? Sam Howell, baby. It's going to be Sam Howell season all day, every day. Um, going back to the well, he's actually still available on a lot of waiver wires. So if you do catch this ahead of Thursday night football and you're in need of a play, double check your waiver wires. Cause I, I have a feeling, I, you know, I've got him ranked as a top seven quarterback this week. Um, you know, this bears defense ranks second in EPA per play bears are allowing the second highest yards per play average in the league, uh, allowing a touchdown per, uh, on 34% of drives. That's the second highest rate in the league. They're not forcing turnovers, which has really been, Sam Howell's only sort of downfall, right? Like this is a perfect game for Sam Howell to just eat up. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I had to make some moves to get Sam Howell this week because I some of my other options were like Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. Um, I don't feel good about them as, as much as I do about Sam Howell going against this Chicago defense. I mean, the Bears have zero pass rush, basically, right? Which is great for a quarterback who has been sacked more than anyone in the league, essentially. So, um, yeah, I'm with you 100%. Like you said, this Bears defense, they just rank among the bottom in the league in pretty much every major category. So I am into this game big time for Sam Howell to come through uh, for us. So don't let us down, Sammy. We are looking forward to watching you on Thursday night and winning us some fantasy matchups. I like the call there uh, for top seven as well. I I would hope so. but yeah, it's good for the, for this Washington offense, right? I mean, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson got a little bit more involved last week. Um, but yeah, I, I feel pretty good about Washington. I don't think there's like a ton to kind of go into there. How, how about you? Anything else stand out for you for the Washington offense? I've got Brian Robinson ranked as a top five running back. And I, perf- <laughs> I don't know if that's spicy anymore. Um, but it, in week five, yeah, I've got Brian Robinson as a top five running back. Um, a running back has scored 15 or more fantasy points against this Bears defense every single week this year. Last week, the Chiefs running back room combined for almost 45 points. Like, I, I think this could be a really nice spot for Robinson, whose role in particular has been really conducive to like that, that first second down work, um, you know, especially when they've got a, a decent lead um, on the other side of the ball, you know, Justin Fields coming off uh, his second highest ever PFF passing grade uh, for a single game uh, just absolutely nailed it uh, from all angles. Um, 335 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception um, commander's defense, definitely going to be a little bit tougher than, you know, the other side of the ball here, but both of these teams actually uh, rank second and third in terms of highest percentage of scoring drives allowed in the league respectively. Um, so like maybe this isn't as bad of a spot for field as we might think. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking for like any basically thread of optimism that I can get for Justin Fields. Cause I, I was high on him this off season and it was a very rough start to the year. Um, so like, I, I know it was against a Broncos defense last week. That is, I think even worse than, than the bears. Um, but the only thing I guess that concerns me is this Washington defensive line, which is legit, especially now that they have Chase Young back healthy. I'm, I guess, cautiously optimistic, right, for Fields, because we got one really good game and then the three pretty poor games. So hoping that this matchup isn't such a detriment that he can kind of continue to ride that momentum, hopefully has a little bit more confidence, gets DJ more involved again. But yeah, I feel... I feel okay about it, but I'm going to be watching like with my hands over my eyes kind of thing and and just hoping for the best here <laughs> for Justin Fields because, yeah, it, the, the first three weeks definitely scared me quite a bit. Um, yeah. How about it, it uh, showed co- you just how yeah, low that floor is? That's that's what's yeah. scary. Um, but yeah. hopefully we don't see that that floor necessarily here on Thursday Night Football. I hope not. I hope not. I want to get an exciting game for once. Um, but uh the other thing, the Bears backfield, how, how are you feeling about um, after last week, Khalil Herbert seemed to kind of take over that that RB1 role. Um, you feeling confident about Khalil Herbert this week? Yeah, I'm going to fire him up. I think, uh, A, he looked fantastic. It, just having, um, it, like we know Khalil Herbert, very tough uh, to tackle, very tough to bring down once he gets going. But I, I think, you know, much like a Zach Moss, he's a guy that can, 
kind of wear on a defense as the game goes on. And I think uh, it really kind of showed and, and was on full display when he actually got a significant carry load. So I'm hopeful that the Bears, uh, you know, offensive coordinator in, in this entire roster is going to recognize that. I also love, love, love Roshan Johnson as a player. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, this is Khalil Herbert. I've been so high on based on his skill set um, and ability to create, you know, yards after contact. This could be a really interesting spot for him. And I'm, I'm firing him up, especially after seeing that commitment, because it was never a question about talent. It was about this fairly even split that we had seen prior to week four. And now if, if we're going to deviate from that, you've probably got a top 15 running back on any given week. Yeah. Yeah. It's that you, you're looking for nice matchups for him. And, and especially now that he's got that potentially that clear RB one role, that was nice to see. We wanted to see somebody kind of separate there. The, the, the split usage had always kind of been concerning. So this was a step in the right direction for sure for Khalil Herbert, but I'm with you. I, I feel pretty good about firing him up this week as well. Um, anything else in this Thursday night game? No, I think we should head into London, baby. We got there our London <laughs> touchdown. We, I we hope did. everybody uh, rained out. London calling, got our Drake London touchdown. But he, now he's out, and the Buffalo Bills are in. And we have this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. hasn't Still hasn't looked 100% to this point. But, um, you know, it, again, it feels like this team has kind of been, you know, this – this culmination of near misses, you know, they have the talent, you know, they have the personnel, but now they get a really tough matchup against this Buffalo Bills defense that I think looks to be the one of the top, if not the top defense in the league right now with the way they're playing, lead the lead uh, with 12 turnover, turnovers forced this season, lowest scoring percentage allowed through the first four weeks. Not a great matchup for Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Really, any of these assets as we look to uh, keep the London London games rolling here. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, um, yeah, just hasn't quite lived up to like his ADP so far. He was being drafted inside the top 10 quarterbacks, right? I think he has just one QB 10 finish on the year, but he's graded really well. He's 84.1 passing grade, which is second among quarterbacks. He's got a 6% big time throw rate, which is tied for fifth. Uh, it's just, yeah, the team as a whole, like you said, just kind of having these near misses haven't quite clicked. So they're two and two on the year. And this isn't exactly a, a great team to bounce back against with, with the Buffalo Bills um, playing here. So maybe there's some potential for some volume based production because again, he's playing really well. Maybe this turns into a shootout kind of thing. And, and we could hope for, for Calvin Ridley to emerge. There's no Tredavious white on Buffalo either. Um, so he could potentially have a nicer matchup and, and hopefully we get to see uh, a better Calvin Ridley game. Cause he's kind of been a little Calvin Midley um, lately. So I would like to see him kind of have a nice bounce back here um, against the bills, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's not an easy matchup. What about what about on Buffalo? Um, the Buffalo Bills. We got James Cook, who is getting more goal line touches um, lately, or at least the last game. So uh, we'll see if that kind of continues that trend here. Uh, hopefully, can kind of fend off Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, who ate into the rest of his snaps a little bit. But was at least a positive to see James Cook getting some goal line touches. How do you feel about uh, the the Bills running back? 
I'm actually feeling a little bit more confident about James Cook here heading into week five. Um, interesting note, Damian Harris is dealing with a quote-unquote neck issue injury. Um, you know, he's been limited through the week, but like I, I feel like even with a limited participation, um, neck injuries are always kind of kind of scary. And when you consider the physicality that goes into these goal line touches, um, you know, when you've got these these short yardage areas to to work with, um, that's not really a, a position where I'd want to insert Damian Harris dealing with a neck injury. Um, into a game for him just to be piled on by opposing defensive linemen. Um, so I, I actually think like this might be um, a, a game where we see a career high, uh, you know, touchdown uh, or, you know, end zone carry rate for James Cook, just based on necessity. Cause I, again, those are the situations. That's probably the last situation I'd want to put a player in Harris's position in. Um, all around, you know, I, I don't think there's really any surprises to be be taking away from this Buffalo Bills. Like you're you're starting your starters, you're starting Stephon Diggs, you're starting Josh Allen, um, you're starting James Cook. And I think outside of that, like there's nobody else that I'm really looking to target. But the, I don't think there are many other players that are probably in most players' consideration, except for maybe Gabe Davis, who um, has has you know certainly had his moments. He's a high upside guy. How are you feeling about Gabe Davis uh, against this defense? Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, the Jaguars defense, it, it doesn't really scare me um, as far as coverage goes, pass rush. I mean, I know we got Josh Allen versus Josh Allen again this week. Um, but other than that, really, the defense isn't all that intimidating. So I don't mind Gabe Davis, especially considering how well um, quarterback Josh Allen has been playing um, so far. And Getting him involved, he's getting he's still going to get those um, potential end zone touch uh, looks as well. So I like I I don't mind Gabe Davis. I, I like him. I've been kind of streaming him here and there, and it's paid off. So um, yeah, he's 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 one that I would still be interested in this week for sure. I'm less less hot on Gabe Davis this week. Sure. Jaguars, like again, it, this both the offense and the defense, it feels like have kind of had their their pulls and shoves, and it it feels like there have been very much highs and lows for each of these, these, uh, units here. But, um, you know, the Jaguars right now rank, uh, seventh in terms of PFF coverage grade. Um, you know, I do think that I, I trust Gabe Davis in those situations a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I, I just don't think there's a lot of question marks here in this game in London, which is kind of nice. Cause you know what? You can set it and forget it and wake up, roll over, turn your TV on and just watch the game. And it, you it, you don't have a lot of start set decisions to make, uh, at least here uh, overseas for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I, I think, yeah, the only thing really that I, I probably want to see is, is Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. I know Kincaid finally kind of edged out Dawson Knox and snaps this past week. I think it was like one extra snap, though. Um, so we'll see if that continues or if that separates anymore. But you're probably still not starting those guys for the most part in most leagues just because of the, the split there. Um, so let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh where do we want to start here? Do we want to start with Najee Harris again, or do you want to go somewhere else? Uh, I'd rather go anywhere else, but let's just rip off the bandaid here. I mean, Najee sure. Harris, like I, they, it's not just a Najee Harris problem, right? Like this yeah. entire offense is, 
has totally gone off the rails. You have Kenny Pickett, who, um, you know, dealing with a knee injury at this point, he says he's going to be good to go for, for week five. So like there's some stability there, but in terms of, you know, like Pickett's ability to feel out the pocket and avoid pressure and like this offensive line, uh, looks terrible. There's just not really anything that I think is reliable enough heading into a matchup against, uh, a pretty solid Baltimore Ravens defense. I want, I want to start zero Pittsburgh Steelers in this game, and I'm not even kidding. Zero. Yeah, I, 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 I don't blame you. I mean, the Ravens too. Like they, they haven't allowed a single rushing touchdown this season. They're the only team that hasn't done that. Um, and like you said, yeah, Pickett dealing with the knee injury is a concern. He's done a decent job avoiding sacks this so far this year, even considering how poor that Pittsburgh O line has played. But might be a little bit tougher with the injury. Um. The only player, like in deep leagues, I, I've found a little bit of interest in Calvin Austin um, for the Steelers, who has seen a little bit of a, a bigger role lately. Um, but Ravens have been a top five team in, in deploying man coverage. Austin is literally the only Pittsburgh um, wide receiver who has earned an above average mark in fantasy points per route run against man. Um, and he ranks 10th among wide receivers in that regard with 0.74 fantasy points per route run. So Seeing him getting a little bit more involved and given his success against man coverage, I maybe like in a deeper league play, um, if you're looking for somebody and need help on bye weeks, um, Calvin Austin could be interesting. But it's just this defense that that's the scary thing. The Baltimore Ravens still rank first in in coverage grade in, uh, for PFF. So it's not like the most optimistic deep play, but somebody that kind of stood out to me when I was doing the, the wide receiver um, man zone coverage report. The thing about deploying Calvin Austin is you have to trust that somebody's going to get him the ball. Yeah. And that is not something that I take for granted at this point. And maybe this is me speaking as a pessimistic Steelers fan. Uh, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel great, John. Doesn't feel good. Um yeah. it's not not looking bright. Uh, you know, especially, you know, I, I think the the concern uh, you know regarding possibly further limitation of, of Pickett's movement through the pocket, which I don't think is going to help the case uh, whatsoever in terms of this offensive line holding up. Cause if you know, the quarterback can't move that really simplifies, uh, you know, I, I think further simplifies an already simple offense, um, which, you know, most teams have said is, is fairly easy to read. Um, Calvin Austin, the one thing he sort of has going for him is his speed. So like get the ball in his hands and he can do great things with it after the catch. But, you know, to that point, you have to get him the ball. Um, so yeah, avoiding all Pittsburgh Steelers. If I can, uh, let's talk about the other side of the ball who, sure. <laughs> um, against a struggling Steelers defense, uh, could actually, uh, prove to be a, a really interesting game. You have, uh, Zay Flowers, who, uh, you know, has has looked incredible, passes the eye test, um, you know, I, I think, you know, has had some some nice opportunity here with OBJ out with injury. Um, you know, Rashad Bateman not been healthy of both of them back at practice. I still think Zay Flowers is going to be the top target here in this offense for the wide receivers. Obviously, you're playing Mark Andrews, you're playing Lamar Jackson. Um, but how are we feeling about Zay Flowers against the Steelers secondary that like, you know, the, the defense, they are great at forcing turnovers here in Pittsburgh, but when it comes to like chunk plays and, and, you know, yardage, it's just, it's a force, right. And it's, it's like 
you know, no amount of, of tape is going to be able to, to help plug the hole and limit <laughs> the leakage here in the secondary. Uh, Patrick Peterson, like a uh, has allowed four touchdowns in coverage so far this season. Um, it's not looking good. And I think this could be like one of my favorite low key plays of the week. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not scared off of starting Zay Flowers at all this week against the Steelers. I I know their pass rush is still a threat, right? But Ravens also get uh, Ronnie Stanley back, I believe, this week, potentially. Um, So that could help their offensive line a little bit. Lamar, you know, he's been solid. He's obviously looking for Zay Flowers. um, And I'm with you. I think Zay Flowers should still be the top target, even if Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman come back this week, um, obviously behind Mark Andrews. But yeah, I'm definitely with it. I would be playing Zay Flowers and and not concerned at all. Um, like you said, the, the Steelers coverage unit right now is struggling. They're they're struggling. Yeah, I, not not so good. And you know, at Zay Flowers, uh, ten targets in two of his four matchups so far. Um, at least forty eight receiving yards in each of his four games as a rookie. Still looking for his first touchdown, but would not be surprised if it came against this Pittsburgh Steelers secondary yeah. at all. Yeah. All right. I like it. Um, let's go on to the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. You might not like it as a Steelers <laughs> fan, but got to love it as a safe flowers fan. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to the Panthers at the Detroit lions. Um, I guess the concerning news for this one, Amon Ross St. Brown has not practiced now for the second straight day uh, with an abdomen injury. This isn't ideal, obviously. Are you, how concerned are you about uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's um, availability for this game? It's going to be concerning. Um, definitely going to have to pay very close attention to the Friday report. If he's not practicing still, even in a limited fashion on Friday, I think we have to be planning without him, um, which, you know, luckily for the Lions, they are getting wide receiver Jamison Williams back this game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even to that point, uh, he's not he's not necessarily a possession receiver. So in this matchup, I'm I'm looking at tight end Sam Laporta as the guy that might be the one to potentially save the day. And he has been saving the day for pretty much all of our fantasy rosters at this point. He has been a top five tight end all season long and doing it as a rookie. And he's looking good. And, and you know, coming out was one of the, the better uh, receiving tight ends in this class. And he's, he's kind of become a, a go-to guy, uh, 27 targets over his first four games. Like you're going to be very, very happy with that. That ranks fourth among all tight ends so far this season. Um, caught 22 of those 242 yards and a score. Like it, he literally leads all tight ends in receiving yards. And if you told me that Sam Laporta would be that guy um, right off the bat. I would have told you you were absolutely cuckoo crazy. And I, this, like, while the pivot for most might be to JMO, I think that it's going to be Sam Laporta that that sees a very, very nice bump uh, in production here in week five. Yeah, I, Sam Laporte has done an awesome job at at kind of bucking that rookie tight end trend, right? And and he was somebody that we talked a lot about this offseason and, and were high on him and believed that he could kind of come into this offense and be a big part of it. And I, he's even exceeded my expectations because he's been awesome. And yeah, I, I'm worried that Amon Ross St. Brown is, is not going to play in this game. So 
we'll see. We'll see what Jameson Williams usage looks like. I imagine that it probably won't be like a full-time role right away. We, we kind of know how Dan Campbell is about um, like snap shares and pitch counts and things like that with, especially with his first round picks. So um, we'll see what happens with Jamison Williams being back, but at least he is back. Um, and then other things for the lions. I mean, David Montgomery obviously took over the big, chunk of of running back carries last week that was just unreal um was so very concerning for, man. yeah it was is excessive like they were rubbing it in our face at that point on Thursday yes. night like yeah just three touchdowns you couldn't give Jameer Gibbs even one which was it was frustrating but uh yeah it, it's hard to expect anything different at this point especially with Montgomery in the lineup so um I think you're probably rolling him out there and then Jameer Gibbs kind of becomes like a deeper league play um unfortunately so i vote for the panthers so the panthers apparently are in the market for a wide receiver one um so obviously they're telling us that they don't uh thie leave in in adam thielen Aww. who yeah i know it's sad right that was good <laughs> all, that was a good one yeah all he's done is be like a top 12 ppr wide receiver through the first month right but um, no, I, I get it. Thielen, he's, I think, 54 years old now. Bryce Young is the future there that they want to pair with someone for a long time. Uh, Brad Spielberger here went into detail on why Jerry Judy is probably the fit that makes the most sense. So that's pretty interesting um, if they can pull that off. But uh, yeah, how do you feel about this Panthers? Do you still believe in uh, in Adam Thielen while, there's, while he's the number one <laughs> wide receiver? I... I won't stop the leaving. Um, there we go. I, I think for for right now, at least, until we see how this, you know, a potential trade situation would shake out. Um, I mean, Thielen, like he provides a veteran presence, which I think was part of the the big appeal for signing a guy like Thielen, who's obviously aging, isn't at the top of his game, but he's been kind of the go-to possession guy for Bryce Young, and it feels like he's been a bit of a security blanket for him. Um, you know, he's, he's getting volume and that's it, like fantasy football. It's not necessarily pretty, um, but fantasy football is a volume game and that volume has, uh, forced Adam Thielen into, uh, some top five production. And I think that, um, generally speaking, we can probably count on that to continue. I'm not overly scared about the Detroit lions in terms of, uh, their secondary. Obviously the biggest question is like, you know, how is, is Bryce Young going to deal with like some pressure from Ian Hutchinson? Is that going to force some, some mistakes, some, some rookie moments? Cause he's had plenty of them. Um, I think that could be the case, but that just makes me even more so gravitate towards Adam Thielen in a, a moment where, okay, they're going to need to get this ball out quick, right? If you're going to hope to avoid some sacks from, from Aiden Hutchinson, you need to scheme and, and get the ball into your wide receiver one's hands as soon as possible. And yeah, I, I think you start Adam Thielen until there's another body there. Yeah, for sure. I, he, he, Thielen is, is like the one probably Carolina Panthers player that I think I feel the best about this week. I, I'm not starting Bryce Young. Like you said, the, the Panthers, their offensive line has allowed more pressure than anybody in the league at this point. And Aiden Hutchinson is playing on another level right now. So that is a concern. The rest of the Detroit D line is solid as well. So it's also not a great matchup for Miles Sanders. As far as the Panthers running backs go, the Lions have allowed the second fewest rushing yards this season. Um, so it could be tough sledding there for Miles Sanders, but 
yeah, I, I think Thielen is is the one that I would feel best about um, this week, and and I'm definitely comfortable starting him in leagues where I have to. Yeah, and shout out uh, Chuba Hubbard who actually split yeah. carries like fifty fifty with Miles Sanders last week. I I do think that Chuba Hubbard, he's a guy that I have stashed in a number of my fantasy leagues where I have the luxury of, um, you know, maybe an extra bench spot that I'm I'm not in need of right now. Um, so I still, I think he is worth a, worth a, a look, um, if they do get a top wide receiver and they can get a little bit of rhythm going in this offense, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, this 50, 50 split continue, uh, between Chuba and, and between Miles Sanders as the year goes on. So just in case you need a stash, I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's worth a name, but definitely not starting him or, uh, really trying to start Miles Sanders in week five against this Lions defense. Yeah, for sure. I, I like Chuba Hubbard as well. I got him in a bunch of dynasty leagues, just kind of waiting for him to get that role. He's a fellow Canadian too, so so cheering for him uh, to get to get a starting role. But like you said, the the usage has been split, so there's potential. He's been efficient, right? That he could potentially be, you know, the the better running back if that usage kind of continues. So um, I like that call. Uh, let's go on to the Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, all right, where do we want to start here with this game? Um, Kyle Pitts uh, is oh. the Pitts. You can't play mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts anymore. Nope. Um, I, I think it's worth noting, John, last week on the broadcast, they mentioned that Kyle Pitts still very clearly not 100% following his season-ending knee injury in the 2022 season. So that might be playing a much bigger factor than I think any of us had had really thought. Obviously, um, he and, and Desmond Ritter not necessarily on the same page. This Pitts or this um, Falcons pass attack uh, under Desmond Ritter, not anything to write home about. This matchup against the Houston Texans not going to help anything. Um, you know, playing playing well in their secondary. I, I think this has been um, an interesting unit. You're not starting Kyle Pitts, just to be clear. Um, but the question about Kyle Pitts, I don't think is whether or not you start him. Is he it, it it assuming you cannot get a trade done, is Kyle Pitts droppable in fantasy football? I think depending on who's available, who you're dropping him for, um, like I I I'm not afraid to drop him at this point, basically. Like if there's legitimate options that are out there. I, I don't know, like a, even like a Luke Musgrave. I would rather have Luke Musgrave at this point because at least I know he's involved in the Packers offense. Um, I know he's got a concussion right now and he might not play this week. So maybe not best to do right away this week. But there's at least that that involvement in the offense there where Kyle Pitts is, is now less involved this year than he was even last year when it was a concern, right? So um, I, I hope you're right. Yeah, if it, if it has to do with the injury, that would explain kind of a lot and why we've seen the decrease in usage, even from already low usage and why John Smith is potentially getting more involved. But like, if I have Kyle Pitts and, and John Smith on my roster, I, am I starting John Smith uh, over him? If it's like a deep league where I don't have any other options, probably yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it, that it's gotten that bad, right? Like it's, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Not, not good, but I mean, there are, there are, you know, like, let's say, um, you know, I, 
Jaden Reed, uh, rookie wide receiver for the Packers. If mm -hmm. he's available on my waiver wire, I kind of like his matchup this week going against the Raiders. Like if I'm in need of streaming a wide receiver and let's say, you know, I, I, I had Kyle Pitts, maybe I picked up a Sam Laporta and mm -hmm. it, like, yeah, drop Kyle Pitts, pick up a Jaden Reed. Like I'm, I'm fine moving on. And I do think John o. Smith is, is probably the better play. Obviously you're playing Bijan Robinson. How do you feel about Drake London against this Houston Texans secondary? Um, <laughs> I feel, I don't know. Your silence is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to like Drake London, but this Houston defense that they're, they've been solid. Their coverage unit has actually been really good this year. Um, I could look it up, but yeah, I look like they've been fourth in, in PFF coverage grade so far this year, 83.9 um, behind Baltimore, Dallas and Buffalo and ahead of San Francisco. So that's, Pretty good company for a Houston Texans defense that is is young and has a lot of you know interesting players on that defense. They're getting it done still under D'Amico Ryan. So yeah, I, I just the way that Desmond Ritter's played as well. Like I don't, I just don't have the confidence in Drake London. I know he got us the touchdown last week. That was nice to see um, London in London, but ah, I, I I'm not. I'm just I'm having a hard time banking on him every week. And this week is probably one where I'm avoiding him. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting him in any matchup I could afford to. Houston's allowed the tenth fewest passing yards so far this season, tied with the Dallas Cowboys for the fewest passing touchdowns in the league. Um, thirty first in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers per game. Um, one of five teams to allow just uh, fewer than two touchdowns to opposing wide receivers this year. Like, no, um, no, I, I think this this Texans defense is going to eat Desmond Ritter for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And this is going to be an ugly game. Uh, I, I don't trust this matchup uh, as far as I get throughout, but yeah, you're playing Bijan. Um, how about on the Texans side of the ball? They get, um, you know, a, a matchup against the Atlanta Falcons, who I don't necessarily think are a, a huge pushover defense either, but mm -hmm. this team's playing pretty well on offense. I think exceeding all expectations. You have, uh, Mr. NFL Rookie of the Month, CJ Stroud, still yet to throw his first interception. Um, Damian Pierce, who, like, again, not, not been efficient, uh, but seeing a lot of volume behind a, a offensive line riddled with backup. So hasn't translated, but, you know, could have had uh, a lot more points on the board last week for your fantasy teams uh, had some of those touchdowns come to fruition. Um, this is kind of an interesting spot in, you know, Nico Collins tank debt. Like where are you headed with this Texans uh, offense against the Atlanta Falcons in week five? Yeah. So I, I kind of go like two different ways with it, right? Like I like the passing offense this week, but I don't love the, the, the backfield this week for, for the Texans, right? The, the Falcons defensive line um, has earned the third highest run defense grade so far this season. Um, Texans offensive line generating just 0 0.8 rushing yards before contact, which ranks 26th. Um, and, and Damian Pierce, like you said, he hasn't been efficient. So when he's been contacted within two yards or, or fewer from the line of scrimmage, he's averaging just 1.8 yards per carry, which ranks 55th among 63 qualifying backs. So that part of it does worry me a little bit. He, he's got a low first down and touchdown rate at just seven and a half percent when contacted in that range as well, which is, I think, yeah, ranks 54th among 60 backs. But yeah, so I don't love Damian Pierce this week, but I do like the Texans offense, uh, passing offense quite a bit. 
especially CJ Stroud. He, he's been a great like early season streaming option at quarterback and in part due to volume that they've the, the, the amount of plays that they've run as a passing offense, which, which helps. And it helps having some positive matchups in there too, but he's done a lot of his damage from a clean pocket so far this season. He's earned an 88.5 passing grade, which ranks fifth when he isn't pressured. Um, he's also thrown all six of his touchdowns from a clean pocket, um, which includes three big time throws, no turnover worthy plays, no interceptions. I think he's going to have a lot of clean pockets in this game against that Falcons um, pass rush, which is one of the, the lower ranked pass rush teams in the league as well. So I, I like the passing offense, the opportunity for Stroud, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, but a um, little bit lower on Damian Pierce this week. If you have to pick one uh, between Nico Collins and Tank Dell, who are you playing? Oh man, it's hard to go against Nico Collins, especially coming off the big week and Tank Dell coming off a lower week. But I was high on Tank Dell last week. I, I think we could see that kind of bounce back and forth. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tank Dell this week. Okay, I am too. And I, I it's honestly nothing more than an inkling that yeah. sets the two apart. Uh, so I, I'm happy to hear uh, that validation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an inkling for me too it's just that it's just the feeling um based on i think they're both going to be heavily involved but if i think if i have to pick one that i think is going to come away with more fantasy points this week i'm going to go dell yeah um yeah i who would have thought man i never thought we would be having this conversation if you That's asked crazy. me five weeks ago yeah, yeah. It's exciting though. I, it's an exciting team in Houston. It's nice to have some like optimistic and and you know these young teams kind of on the come up here. So, um that's been that's been fun to see. Um all right, before we go any further, I do have another ad rate and this one is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game. Um, and how does it work? You pick two to six players if they will go more or less than their prize pick projection. You can win up to 25 times your money um, on any entry. So, for example, Thursday night, two of the potential plays here, Sam Howell over one and a half touchdown passes. Kate, I think we're taking that one, right? Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, Thanks. smash that over, baby. Love it. Yeah. And then the other one is DJ Moore over three and a half receptions. We're feeling pretty confident about Justin Fields. That's got to mean DJ Moore gets involved. So um, I think we like that one as well. All right, so that's, yeah, so we, we got a couple picks there. Um, you could combine those with a few more for Sunday. Um, at Prize Picks, the important thing too, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. So go to prizepicks.com slash fantasy um, and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, let's go to the New York Giants at the Miami Dolphins. Um, Daniel Jones last week. I don't know if you stuck through the whole Monday night football <laughs> game, but was that hard. was one of the hardest games to watch, I think, um, in a long time. He was sacked 11 times. They just kept rolling him out there. He just kept getting hit. Plus the amount of penalties as well. It, I don't feel... Like it's going to be all that different um, here against Vic Fangio's defense and their pass rush. Even though the, the pass rush has been like league average to just a bit above average, they're still better than what the Seahawks were last week. And they were able to deliver 11 sacks. So uh, Miami potentially gets Jalen Phillips back this week. 
I think I'm just like blocking the Giants receiving game, Darren Waller included, until further notice. I, I just I don't want any part of it after what I saw last week. Yeah, that was like honestly a very hard performance to watch and almost to the point where like I was frustrated when they continued to roll him out because yeah. I was like they they're going to get him killed out there. Yeah. Uh this New York Giants offensive line ranking uh second worst in in PFF pass blocking grade. Um not much better in terms of their run blocking grade, second worst in the league there as well. Um, like there's just not a lot to like about what this offensive line has produced. It's not for lack of trying. They're using the draft capital. They're, they're doing their best, but it, it is not translating whatsoever. This, this team is just, you know, fewest points scored in the league through four weeks. Like there's not, not a lot of upside. I'm sitting pretty much all of these options. Saquon Barkley's active. I'm probably going to be sitting him too, unless I have a much better option just with the way this offense is playing out. Um, I do not see this as a, uh, you know, matchup where they can even uh, attempt to establish the run based on their opponent. They're not going to, you know, Miami dolphins are not going to give them any time to get the ball rolling here. So um, fading this entire offense and just wake me up whenever the season is over for the Giants because they they need a break, man. Uh, Daniel Jones, his body probably needs a break after the beating he took in week four. <laughs> yeah, it was it was brutal. Um, and yeah, it's nice that we get Saquon back this week. But like I said, that the way that that offense is playing in it, and this is a, one of the better defenses, too. So not overly optimistic about him in his first game back from injury um, on the Miami side. Somebody that I am interested in, somebody I'm optimistic about getting back on track is Jalen Waddell. Um, the, the Giants have played the fourth highest rate of man coverage this season. They haven't been great in that regard. They're bottom 10 in yards allowed per coverage target while in man. They rank 27th in team coverage grade while in man. Waddle has had... I would say a pretty slow start to the year outside of the top 30 PPR wide receivers every single week that he's played. Um, but he does lead the team in receiving grade versus man coverage, which is a top 10 mark in the league at 83.5, um, 0.41 fantasy points per route run against man, which ranks 21st. This one, I think it's lining up to be a big Jalen Waddle week. I I'm betting on seeing that penguin dance in the end zone this week. How do you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been way too long since we saw the yeah. we saw the waddle. Uh, it, yeah. It's been a long time, but yeah, not uh, not worried about this matchup whatsoever. I think this could be just the ticket for a bounce back game. Um, inject a little bit of uh, life into his game here to appease fantasy managers. Um, you're starting Devin A. Chain, who's just been just the the offensive production is some of the most ridiculous offensive production we've ever seen. Um, now I think like fantasy managers that you have Devin a chain, you're starting at, uh, or how do we, how do we say his name? I apologize. Uh, oh, a, right. A chan, a chan. Yeah. Or, a chan. Yeah. Okay. Chan, yeah. <laughs> my, my apologies because I, um, I needed to, I need to reset my brain in that regard, but, uh, you're starting him, but you're, I, I don't know that you're necessarily starting Raheem Mostert kind of had a rough outing in week four. And I think, um, you know, two fumbles, one of them lost, like it wasn't a, a necessarily a super clean game. Um, you know, it tough Buffalo bills defense, but you know, you had 
Devin Achan uh, uh, <laughs> totally dominate in the same setting. And I, I think, you know, the, the two fumbles that those can be costly mistakes. And if you have a rookie that's shining as well as Achan is, I, I think you probably uh, continue to get him involved. He's seen a decrease in uh, Mostert has seen a decrease mm -hmm. in his carry total um, over the last three weeks. So I, I don't expect a ton from him this week. And if he's on my roster, even despite the fact that he's scored as a top five running back this season so far, I'm, I'm holding off inserting him into my lineups until I see another week where he, he looks a little bit better and, you know, where, where hopefully he kind of, you know, he, again, I just want him to look better because, yeah. you know, there was a, there was a big gap between the two last, last week. And I think that's the first time we saw that kind of gap between the two. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and yeah, it was good to see at least for, for HA managers, like he outsnapped, out touched Raheem Mostert, even though Mostert like technically got the start, like you said, he did have those two fumbles. So I do wonder if that played a part into his like limited playing time. So something to kind of be worth monitoring this week but i don't know how you sit a chan right even if he doesn't get the start again like this is another one of those games where you could see miami kind of blowing out the giants and um he just continues to get opportunities late in the game as they they close it out and he's been so efficient it's been unbelievable so um you you, you have to start him right and then mostert we'll see I, I like you said i think you know there might be deeper leagues where he's he's in play but eh. Don't feel as good about him in in your more typical fantasy leagues, ten team leagues, or things like that. So, um, A Chan is still the one for me as well. For sure. Uh, let's go on to the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. Um, the, the, oh man, the Patriots offense. This this feels like another one like the Giants, right? Where my level of interest in the Patriots wide receivers, I don't think could be any less at this point. That <laughs> um, Mac Jones has struggled as well. There's just there's not a lot here. Like even Ramondre Stevenson has quietly started to fade through the first four weeks. So he, he only had five games all of last year with three or fewer targets. He already has three in the first four weeks um, with three with three targets. So that's been kind of a concern for me for Ramondre Stevenson. Maybe not necessarily getting that work and is a receiving back, but I still don't mind him. Like he's still the, I, I think you have him, you're rolling him out there and hoping for the best, but um, it is, we've seen the decline in the last couple of weeks, at least as far as production goes. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. Um, there, there is one play on, <laughs> this is not going to be a pretty play, but I do want to give this one pick as a potential, like you are like shot in the dark, Throw it up against the wall if you are. Um, this is probably more of a dynasty play, but just want to offer this up because um, I, I thought it was, you know, notable enough. Um, rookie receiver for the New England Patriots, Demario Douglas. Um, you know, not been overly uh, involved so far this season, uh, but interestingly enough, uh, the Saints, uh, Saints cornerback Alante Taylor leads the league uh, in yardage allowed in slot coverage um demario douglas leads the team in targets in the slot it just maybe maybe there could be like something there um if nothing else maybe a, a potential dfs play but like yeah i'm i'm not i'm not loving anybody on this team i i think this 
there's been a lot of ups and downs, even in that run game. And uh, no. Um, what about Hunter Henry, though? Are we feeling good? Yeah, I still feel good about Hunter Henry. He's kind of been like the the man there. He's three three games now, 50-plus receiving yards, two touchdowns, at least five targets per game. I, I can dig that for a tight end. I, I'm I'm fine starting Hunter Henry. Um, I know we had this conversation in, like, I guess it was, like, week two, like, Hunter Henry over Kyle Pitts. I have not turned back from Hunter Henry over Kyle <laughs> Pitts. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and it's working. It's yeah. worked. Yeah, absolutely. It has. Um but yeah, as far as the Patriots go, that there's not like a ton there. But on the Saints side, Alvin Kamara returned last week and just put up a ridiculous stat line. 14 targets, 13 receptions for a whopping 33 yards. Um, so two and a half yards per reception that was. Um, PPR leagues, obviously, that is elite usage. Non-PPR leagues, it's, it's almost nothing. So <laughs> it was good to see him kind of at least heavily involved with Jamal Williams still on IR. So how do you feel about Alvin Kamara here uh, against New England? Um, you know, what? I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more lukewarm here. I'm wondering, you know, Derek Carr suffered a, a shoulder injury in week three, did end up playing in week four. Part of me wonders if this, you know, huge target share for Alvin Kamara was just a, uh, you know, an attempt to get the ball out as quickly as possible, limit hits on Derek Carr. Um, and, and, you know, to that effect, it it mostly worked, only took two sacks on the day. So, like, not not terrible. Um, 5.13 sack rate. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's, uh, you know, not not the worst you could have seen. But, again, that, you know, all of that passing product or all of that, those passing attempts that result in just 127 yards like this was just mm -hmm. a disaster and clearly it didn't work like this was a, a pretty abysmal loss um you know it just gross inefficiency here and i think a lot of that was to blame on the usage of alvin Kamara and in that over reliance on targeting the running back position because i think yeah. generally speaking we've seen that is not conducive to upside that is not uh, you know, conducive to much uh, in terms of getting an offense going. Usually that's, that's, you know, an indication that there's, there's a crutch, they're in need of a crutch. And mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know that they can continue to execute in that fashion. They have very talented wide receivers. They've got a, a talented tight end and Juwan, uh, Juwan Johnson, like they've got too many good weapons, not to figure out a way to use them. But um this might all be dependent on just how healthy Derek Carr really is. Yeah, I'm with you. And it, it makes you a little bit concerned about Chris Olave um, and, and obviously Michael Thomas as well. But I mean, yeah, if, if Carr's not healthy, Jameis, look, <laughs> we saw Jameis go out there um, and, and heave one of his YOLO balls as usual. But yeah, it's it's it doesn't have you overly optimistic about the wide receiving options here for for New Orleans either. So, um, and and also the the Patriots have one of the better coverage units um, in the league as far as as defenses go. So, yeah, I think lukewarm is is the right way to kind of look at this this matchup for for the Saints. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's go on to the uh, Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, where do you want to start with this game? Fire up Anthony Richardson. Yeah. 
Just lock yeah. him in. He, he is an every week start as long as he is is active. Um, just super, super productive. And um, I, I don't know that there are a lot of matchups where I am going to look to sit Anthony Richardson. Um, kind of feels, uh, you know, especially with that that touchdown rushing upside that he's shown um, propensity for the end zone. Like, I, I just think a uh, great situation, even better situation against this Tennessee Titans defense. Like, it, yeah. Richardson is going to eat. Yeah. And he is going to eat good this week. Yeah, number one in fantasy points per dropback so far this year. He's been amazing. I know Nate has him as QB5 this week as well. I think we're all feeling it this week as far as Anthony Richardson goes. 131 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns so far in basically like two and a half games, right? So um, it's just really impressive stuff from Richardson already. The Titans D, like you said, nothing to really be scared about as far as like quarterback play. We saw um, Deshaun Watson had his best game against them. Justin Herbert threw for 300 plus and a couple touchdowns. Derek Carr threw for 300 plus and a couple touchdowns. Joe Burrow's really been the only one that was kind of mid. Um, obviously, last week he did not have a good week, but we'll, we can talk about that in a little bit. So, definitely still like um, Anthony Richardson this week. And I think Michael Pittman as well. Nick uh, Bodiford here at PFF wrote up Michael Pittman as a player to target in the wide receiver cornerback. Um, article as well, which you can find on pff.com. Michael Pittman should be going up against Christian Fulton of the Tennessee Titans, who has a 42.9 coverage grade so far. He's allowed 190 yards and a touchdown in just three games so far this year. So love that for Michael Pittman as well. Yeah, uh, you love to see the volume that Michael Pittman's been getting. He's been productive, um, I think, far beyond my expectations this season. So yeah, I I think you... you fire up your Colts in this matchup yeah. and you don't look back. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see, obviously, if Jonathan Taylor um, actually plays or not. I don't know. I, have they said anything else today other than that he participated in practice? That's all I've got. Um, but okay. I, I think that it seems like he's a full go. Um, and I, you know, yeah. obviously, if you, uh, if you have Jonathan Taylor, uh, I think you start Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, not the best matchup here against the mm-hmm. the Tennessee Titans run defense, but I do think that, um, you know, it it stands to reason that like it, there's enough upside there that you start them, and um, I, you know, maybe we see a little bit of a a split in week one. Uh, maybe we do get a little bit of Zach Moss. Not comfortable starting him though, obviously. Uh, just not. Yeah, I, I I don't think you can sit him in good faith. Um, my my favorite measuring stick for whether or not to indulge in these particular matchups is would I be sick to my stomach if this player went off on my bench? The answer is probably yes for Jonathan Taylor because I've had to wait uh, four weeks to see this yeah. come to fruition. If he goes off in week one, I will eat my own face off. Like <laughs> I I can't deal with that emotionally, so I start him. Fair enough. Fair enough. We do not want to see you eat your own face off. That would be um, no. Terrifying. I I don't either. Like I, I have to do the podcast next week. Like for those of you watching yeah, on YouTube, yeah. you don't want to see it either. So, <laughs> yeah, I start my Jonathan Taylor's. That's, period. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, and then on the Titans side, how you feeling about maybe potentially DeAndre Hopkins against this Colts coverage unit? Because 
he hasn't had a ton of success, but the target rate is there for him. So hopefully he's able to produce a, a decent performance in what should be a plus matchup for him this week. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of kind of into Hopkins this week. Um, you know, even even despite that lack of production, but he has been the go to guy. Um, interestingly, Nick Westbrook Akine has been like the most efficient wide receiver matchup mm-hmm. by far with Ryan Tannehill, two touchdowns on the season. Um, leads the team in passer rating when targeted by Ryan Tannehill. Kind of interesting there, uh, again, in one of these in case of emergency plays. Um, but I, I think this is a fine matchup for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, not at all scared of the secondary. Um, you know, I, I think you you fire up DeAndre Hopkins and, and you know, if uh, maybe in a, a DFS situation or in case of emergency, you can look at Nick Westbrook Akina because I, I think – the secondary, um, you know, is is going to be the biggest liability here for the Colts. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Um, all right, let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, a few things uh, to look at as far as injuries go, at least in, in this game, because Joe Burrow clearly not a hundred percent dealing with that calf injury. He has struggled this year, um, but to say to say the least, he has not been a great fantasy asset. Um, the team is struggling with him, also hurt, so not great there. And then T. Higgins also potentially going to be out this week with a rib injury, so that probably means more Tyler Boyd, who hasn't really been that effective, which is understandable considering considering what the Bengals' offenses look like so far, um, and even with T. Higgins in the lineup. So any interest in Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd this week? No. Like, no. if it's any indication, I would prefer Nick Westbrook Akine over Tyler Boyd this week. And There you go. <laughs> that That's where I'm at with the Cincinnati Bengals' offense in general. Like, just not been it's not been productive. Um, it, they're not scoring points like it, that as simple as that ranks second in point, uh, with second fewest points scored, um, in the NFL right now, only behind the New York giants. That is how bad this Bengals team has been. And you know what, like the, the immobility of Joe Burrow, who, you know, I, I think usually has a, a nice feel for the pocket and can, can do some exciting things, um, you know, when he's avoiding pressures, like Joe Burrow doesn't have that element to his game right now. And, you know, I I think we, you know, we mentioned that with Kenny Pickett briefly, Mm -hmm. like when you're taking out that element of a quarterback's game and you know, he can't navigate through a pocket as well as he usually does. That can very much change the, the way this defense is approaching their, their gameplay of, uh, this opposing quarterback and and how they're attacking him. Because if you know he can't move around the pocket, uh, you know he's injured, you know he's limited, you're you're having to work with a lot less right there. Um, it, you know, because he, he can't do as much with his legs. And it, not loving that, this whole team seems just kind of frustrated and and off kilter. Um, trying to avoid, generally speaking, obviously you're you're playing Jamar Chase. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think he's sort of the only player that's like a real given for me at this point. T Higgins, if he plays not comfortable starting him either, uh, you know, rib injuries can, can generally be a, a pain tolerance thing if there's no lung involvement and, you know, boy, it, it, all it takes is one hit and he could be out of the game. And, you know, even if he is playing, I'm not, not trusting anyone in this team. Eh. 
it's hard. They they haven't really earned that trust this this year, right? They, it's been it's been tough to watch for the Bengals offense. I, I mean, I guess like if you're looking for positives out of it, that the Cardinals have allowed uh, 8.2 yards per passing attempt this season, which ranks 29th in the league. So they're among the bottom of the league as far as uh, you know teams that you can attack in 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 the passing game. Jamar Chase, I think that's more of a positive for him. I am still concerned about Joe Burrow. The pass rush for Arizona isn't great either. They don't really have anyone that should give that offensive line as as you know poor as they've been, give them any struggles. So hopefully that can help Cincinnati kind of you know keep Joe Burrow clean and and get back on track. But I don't know that I'm starting Joe Burrow this week. I just I. I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable with it. I think there's better options that are out there. CJ Stroud, even Trevor Lawrence. I know he's playing, facing Buffalo, but I, I have a little bit more faith in Trevor Lawrence this week. Uh, yeah. Justin Fields. Joe Burrow, who, yeah. He's still seeking his first top 20 finish this season. Yeah. Um, completing uh, passes at just a 57 and a half percent clip. Like that's not, that's not good. That's not Joe Burrow. And I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying Burrow is trash. Um, but 63.4 uh, or PFF passing grade ranks 23rd among quarterbacks this season. Like this is not the same Joe Burrow um, when he's not healthy. And I, I think that's okay. Um, yeah. it, like I, I wouldn't expect him to be um, because there's there's a whole element of his game taken away when when he doesn't have that ability to navigate that pocket quite as well it it forces you to get the ball out quicker than maybe you want it it that limits the um you know the plays that have time to develop if you're trying to get that ball out quickly like it it can be tough and i you know I, i'm not saying that this bengal's offense is toast mm-hmm. i'm not saying they're not talented but it's you know burrow like when i'm i'm looking at you know this week, the the health, not loving that. Um, in the the next few weeks, have matchups against the 49ers, the Bills, the Texans, the Ravens. Like, this is going to be a very challenging sled for Joe Burrow. And if I can trade him away at this point, I'm going to look to do it. Um, and, and that doesn't seem to be the most popular take right now, but I'm I'm fine dropping him if I can't trade him. Uh, don't yell. <laughs> I don't yell, but <laughs> I hear you. Look, it's it's, it's yeah. Concerning. I can't really picture you yelling. I, yeah, just have you ever so yelled? The, uh, no, no, not, not often. I, yell, yelling at the TV is is about as far as I go. Um, just okay. getting mad at at sports Good. basically is is what'll yeah. do it. But the way that this Burr. Bengals offense is played, yeah, um, it, it could be enough for me to get upset again. I think I feel like. For Cincinnati, I, they got to give him a little bit more time to kind of heal up, rehab, and get healthy. So, I, I almost want them to kind of just bench him for for two weeks and and let him get healthy and because we know what he can be when he's healthy. And those matchups, like you said, coming up are scary. Um, you don't want to go up against the 49ers hobbled on one leg. Um, that's for sure. Especially even the Bills. Uh, it's just it doesn't look good right now. The outlook for Burrow, at least in the short term here, but still feel good about him for dynasty purposes. Um, but yeah, that, that that's about enough of the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Let's look at uh, the Arizona offense. How are you feeling about um, Josh Dobbs? Because uh, Nick, sh- shout out Nick again, um, Bodiford on PFF.com has Josh Dobbs as his QB streamer of the week. Josh Dobbs already has two QB8 finishes, also a QB31 and QB16 finish in there. Um, how do you feel about potentially starting Hobbs in this game? He's got 
you know, a little bit of rushing upside as well. Any interest there? I, yes, I would start Josh Jobs over Joe Burrow. Just Boy. saying, I'm I'm all over it. So the the Cincinnati Bengals, like middle of the pack so far against uh, fantasy quarterbacks this season. Um, interestingly, to start the season, allowed two back to back uh, games of uh, quarterbacks with 45 plus rushing yards. That's kind of been the the bread and butter right now for Josh Dobbs. He's averaging 35 rushing yards per game. Um, he's just been super productive there, and I, I think he's far exceeded my expectations, but yeah, that willingness to run is, is going to provide him some upside that I, I don't think Joe Burrow has right now on the other side of the ball. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, at least 40 rushing yards in, in the past three games for Josh Dobbs, he's added a rushing touchdown in there as well. So some encouraging stuff, at least more encouraging than, than what Joe Burrow has put out there so far. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, I I'm with you. I think Josh Dobbs could be a strong streamer. Shout out Nick as well. Um, the other player that I'm, I I love this week, I, it's hard not to love James Conner, but it, again, mm-hmm. this week, the Arizona offensive line has generated the most yards before contact per attempt this season at 2.4. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati defensive line has allowed the most yards before contact per attempt at 2.0. So you're giving James Conner a little bit of space anytime that he's been given at least one yard before contact this year uh he's earned a 91.2 rushing grade which is tied for third averages 8.3 yards per carry which is a top 10 mark eight explosive runs which is third um Bengals have also allowed the second most rushing yards so far on the year i just love some james connor this week his rushing total on DraftKings is at 58.5 for those interested as well um i like that for yeah for sure so um he's only missed it once this year and that was last week against the 49ers he had 52 so um that that's understandable against san francisco but he's 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 hit over that rushing total every single week otherwise yeah, a uh, top 10 running back for me this week. I have him at RB9 right now in my rankings, and I could honestly picture myself being tempted to move him up the ranks uh, s- slowly but surely throughout the weekend. I think he's such an easy smash play, um, easy RB1, and and so much upside there um, here for James Conner in week five. Yeah, he's given us an excellent return on investment as a sixth round pick so far this year as well. Um, All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams, where Cooper Cup could potentially be returning this week as well, maybe. Um, So how do you feel about this? If Cup comes back, do you think that Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Tutu Atwell can coexist in this Rams offense? I, you know, I I think I'm probably in line with with most people at this point, like I, I think you still, you start cup, you start Nakua at well, kind of the, the odd man out for me in that mm-hmm. circumstance. But, um, you know, it immediately in the lineup, I, I think you still start Nakua, um, easily at well, he could, um, you know, maybe on the, the basis that, you know, maybe Cooper cup, like they, they work him back in a little bit more slowly because I don't think he's quite at a hundred percent just yet. Um, you know, so maybe at will get some routes, uh, there if Cooper cup is at all limited in terms of, of, you know, the, the amount of snaps he sees, the amount of routes he runs. Um, but yeah, Nakua is definitely a lock. Um, I think what's more interesting though, like in this game, cause I, I think like, yeah, you, you have to start those guys. Um, what are we doing with Kyron Williams? Who's been a super inefficient running back to this point in the season, but he's been a workhorse, right? Like there's been 
Um, you know, very few running backs that you could count on to get as many touches per week as Kyron Williams uh, since the release of Cam Akers. But, um, you know, seventh most touches uh, among running backs. He's the overall RB4 on the season, but averaging just 3.8 yards per carry. You don't love that. Um, you know, 25 touches per big play. That's the most among any top 15 running back this season. Um, you know, now gets the Philadelphia Eagles run defense. I don't know that you can sit Williams, but I think you very much have to temper expectations and they need to be quite low heading into week five. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the right way of looking at it because, yeah, it, it's the matchup, I think, more than anything. The volume, like you said, fantasy football, we love the volume there for Kyron Williams. But this matchup, the Eagles have allowed the fewest rushing yards um, on the season at, at 251. They've also only allowed, I think, two rushing touchdowns on the year. Um, I, I think there's potential to sit. Kyron Williams this week. I depending on the league, obviously. There's I, I would push him down probably. Ah, it's hard. I I I I guess top he's still probably like pushing top 20 on the fringe of top 20. So he's probably starting in most leagues. But if you do happen to have like a pretty stacked running back roster, there's a decent chance that you can you can be sitting him, especially if you have getting you're getting Jonathan Taylor back or something like that, right? Like I'd rather play Taylor this week um than than Kyron Williams. So there's potential to sit him, but the volume is too great. It's just the matchup really kind of sucks for running backs. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, and then on the Eagles side, the only player that I got Dallas Goddard has just been a complete disappointment this year. He's tight end 30. What's his name? Yeah. <laughs> so for some reason in the notes, it says Dal ass Goddard. Um, because Weird. he's been complete ass uh, this week. <laughs> Weird. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Not been good. Um, tight end 30 in PPR. This is crazy. I mean, I was high on him. Coming into the year, I knew there was some risk to that with this offense being as loaded as it is, but tight end 30 through four weeks, not a single top 12 finish in any of the weeks. This is way more gross than I could have imagined. I, I'm, I'm definitely concerned at this point. Um, you know, luckily there's the, there's the Sam Laporta's Luke Musgraves that I could kind of fall back on as my other tight end options if I drafted Dallas Goddard, but it's, it's, I'm not starting him. I'm I'm pretty much benching him uh, across the board right now. How how do you feel about Goddard? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of done. Uh, talked about Dallas Goddard this week in my uh, panic or antic column uh, for PFF, and yeah, uh, I my temperature check on Dallas Goddard is that it is absolutely time to panic. Um, he's been outscored in fantasy by Andrew Ogletree, Durham Smythe, Josh Oliver, like. Oh my God. It's not good. There was a, you know, week four, this was a team that posted 49 points, had a full game and an overtime period. And all Dallas Goddard had was two catches on four targets for 22 yards. Like I, that is, that is, you know, I can find that production on the waiver wire, just, you know, streaming matchups against, you know, the, the worst tight end defenses. Um, you know, the, the biggest difference is, you know, he's being targeted on a lower percentage of his runs, um, just 13.5% of, of routes run. Is he seeing a target that's a career low for him through week, four weeks? Um, you know, it's definitely interesting, though, because the, you know, we all kind of expected the, the pecking order of targets for this offense. We knew Dallas Goddard was going to rank third 
uh, behind AJ Brown, behind Devonta Smith. But what has been so surprising is that it's been Brown who's seen a significant jump in volume, averaging almost a full two targets per game more than he did last season. And it seems like those are coming at the expense of Dallas Goddard. Um, I, I don't know, like I upsides high. Um, Cause I, I do think Dallas Goddard is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I think he's a great receiver, but the usage is not conducive to fantasy points or, or at least consistency um, in terms of fantasy production. I, I don't know. Yeah. You, you cannot, be relying on Dallas Goddard at, as your tight end one or even your tight end two at this point. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. And, and maybe it's like some recency bias, but that last game, like you said, was super frustrating with the amount of snaps that they played, the amount of scoring that they did and just him not being involved at all. It was it was concerning for sure. So there I think you're right that in the antic or panic um, article, it, it's time to panic. Um, you know, hopefully he turns it around. This is not you know, one of the best coverage defenses in the league either. They're actually among the bottom in the league, uh, the Rams are, but even that doesn't give me a ton of confidence. It gives me more confidence in, in AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, but not so much for, for Dallas Goddard, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, sad days, sad days. <laughs> Anything else uh, from this uh, Eagles Rams game that you want to touch on before we move on? No, you're starting your, your Jalen hurts, your, your Deandre Swifts and, you're sadly benching your Dallas Goddard's yeah. RIP. Yep. RIP Dallas Goddard. Um, all right, let's do uh, <laughs> one more ad break here. And uh, Manscaped is back. Uh, they brought us, we are brought today, brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. For wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness makes this the perfect travel tool for on the go. And being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. Uh, and for my wolf men with a little more scruff, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code PFF for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. There we go. One of the more tamer Manscaped ads that we've had. Um, <laughs> so appreciate that. Uh, let's go on to the New York Jets. And the Denver Broncos. Um, where do you want to start? I, I feel like the Jets are, are somewhat interesting, right? Because Zach Wilson shown showed signs of life last week against the Chiefs. Um, though I'm still a bit concerned that this was like a one-game aberration. Um, but he is facing the Broncos D, which is one of the worst in the league. They, they have league worst team coverage grade by far at 35.9. Same thing with their overall defensive grade at 42.3. They've allowed the third most passing yards this season at 1,210. Third most yards after the catch as well. Garrett Wilson has yet to finish higher than wide receiver 22 this year in PPR. 
this this has to be the week, right? The best week of his season so far. Um, I, I feel like he either finishes as a top 10 PPR wide receiver this week or I, I lose all hope in life. So the, the stakes are high for Garrett Wilson. <laughs> how do you, how do you yeah, feel about I, that? I think yeah. that's fair. Very fair. Um, you know, like the thing about going up against a, a bad secondary unit, right, is that like you still have to get the ball uh, to the receiver. And that wasn't necessarily an issue last week, but we also know that that was kind of an outlier for, for Zach Wilson. So like, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting spot, I think, uh, for Zach Wilson to be in, um, throughout the season, um, 21.9% of his passes, uh, have been considered catchable, but accurate, uh, 20% of his passes uncatchable and inaccurate. Like, Again, for you know, even even if a, a team is is not playing well in coverage, you still have to get the ball to the receiver, which has been that struggle to this point. I'm, you're starting Garrett Wilson. You have to. Um, there's not really any sort of matchup that's more conducive to a, a breakout performance for fantasy. So if it doesn't come this week, I think is we have to really like really worry um that that's going to be the make or break sort of statement for me here is is like if Garrett Wilson can't do it now it, I don't know that we're going to see the Garrett Wilson that we want to see um you know even even last week when we saw uh you know Zach Wilson play you know one of his best games I think that arguably he's ever played um you know a game where Garrett Wilson saw 14 targets that only amounted in 60 receiving yards. Like if that's the ceiling, um, you know, and it feels like it's close to the ceiling. It might not be the, the tippity top, but it feels pretty close to it. Um, I I don't know that we're going to see the Garrett Wilson we want, but again, if you drafted him, this is the week where you start him and you say like, if he can't do it now, he's never going to do it. Yeah, this is this is exactly how I'm feeling. I am nervous going into this because it should be, by all accounts, a, a great matchup for any wide receiver, especially one of the caliber of Garrett Wilson. But then you look at who's throwing him the ball and and like you said, you, you laid out the numbers as far as uncatchable passes go. It's just, this is dating back to last year, too, right? Like it's this, it was the same struggle. So. Very concerning, but God, I, I really hope so. I hope we at least get it this week. Give us <laughs> one top 10 finish this uh, this season, because I think if you could do it, it's against the Broncos. So we'll see what happens. But um, the, the other part of the, the Jets offense here is Brees Hall apparently is not going to be on a pitch count anymore. No limitations, all of that stuff. Um, they've come out and say, and it's a good week for that to happen as well against this Broncos. So um, we'll see how much of it is true and and, and if he can get back on, on track. But um, do you feel okay about starting Brees Hall this week? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Against, against this Broncos defense, you, you light anybody and, and everybody up, um, you know, Brees Hall, he really, I think made the case by, um, you know, he wasn't asked to do much. Uh, you know, he hasn't necessarily been a, a perfect asset, you know, since week one, when we saw a, a ton of, you know, chunk plays come, um, hasn't been the most efficient in between those chunk plays. But what's really great is that Dalvin cook has been equally inefficient and has had pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, none of those chunk plays. So, um, really nice that that they've kind of cleared the way um now that he's cleared to to you know 
take more carries. Um, I, I think you you start him. You were probably starting him regardless uh, heading into this yeah. matchup. So it's kind of just a nice, nice bit of news added on top of that. And and you know he can break off a run as well as anybody. He showed you that in week one against a much more difficult and challenging mm-hmm. Bills defense. Um, so yeah, like I I have Brees Hall ranked as my overall RB six on the week. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Brees Hall's I, I, I have hopes here for him as well. And it, it, like you said, great matchup. So uh, nice to see that the team isn't going to hold him back, especially considering um, how inefficient Dalvin cook has been. Um, so that that's a positive there on the Broncos side. Is there any positive you could find in this Broncos offense that, uh, that you'd want to talk about? No, no. <laughs> um, uh, Julio McLaughlin, we can talk about him. Uh, sure. Javante Williams dealing with an injury. Um, didn't practice on Wednesday. We don't have the uh, Thursday practice report at this point, I believe, um, but has been super, super efficient in the the touches that he's received for this this Denver Broncos team. Um, the running backs have, have generally not been efficient here in Denver, um, but he's kind of been the, the one bright spot, had seven carries, 72 yards last week. Um, had a little bit of involvement as a receiver once uh, we saw Javante Williams out of the game. So if you're in need of a, a play, like he's still available in right around 50% of leagues. Um, so I think you could do a lot worse than him, but not again, just not very excited about this, this Broncos offense, um, meh, especially not against this Jets defense. I nah. Yeah, the Jet, the Jets defense is good, right? Like they're they're top ten as far as coverage units go. Um, so if you don't love it for like Cortland Sutton or or Jerry Judy, you know, going up against DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, obviously over there. So not a great matchup for the the passing offense of the Denver Broncos. And then yeah, like you said, Julio McLaughlin could be a decent play if Javante Williams is out because we didn't see you know Samaje P Ryan immediately step into that uh, clear number one role either. So he just kind of stayed in that that pass down back roll so mclaughlin looked decent um tougher matchup this week for sure so uh that that'll be the one thing to kind of monitor but yeah just feeling kind of you know neutral uh, i guess about the the broncos run game but not so great about their passing game i think that's fair um all right let's go to kansas city at minnesota uh, we always talk about it, but I mean, the chiefs wide receivers, <laughs> it's, it's hard not to talk about it because they're so frustrating, but it just continues to kind of be a mess to figure out. Um, R- Rashi rice, he's clearly been like a favorite target of Mahomes when he's on the field, but he's just not getting the snaps. Like he's, he, I think he stands out as a decent, like deep league dart throw each week, pretty much. Cause the target rate, whether it's versus man or zone has been among the best on the team really impressive numbers against zone as well which minnesota is about league average in zone deployment but 0.87 fantasy points per route run against zone which is third among wide receivers he's third in receiving grade uh with an 89.5 against zone coverage as well we, we need to get this guy on the field more. we're going to talk about it every week until it happens right um but <laughs> Just, yeah, it, this is, I, I think you, you mentioned it last week. He's probably the only one that I feel comfortable if you have to pick one. And and that kind of continues this week. Yeah, I think the the heavy usage when he is running routes, like you would think that eventually that is going to translate to having him run more routes. Like you, you would think that that would sort of be a natural uh, line of progression there. 
Minnesota Vikings, they are leading the league in fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers this season. Um, over 220 yards per game to the position, um, five total touchdowns, two wide receivers this year. Um, this has been kind of a, a fruitful matchup for wide receivers. I think, you know, probably one of these, at least one of these wide receivers for the Chiefs is going to score a, a nice handful of points. Um, again, I keep going back to Rashi Rice because I think he looks better than every single other wide receiver on the field. And I think Patrick Mahomes thinks it too, because when he's on the field, he targets them. So it's just a matter of getting some of those snaps and, and hoping for the best. But this should be a higher scoring matchup with some, you know, nice scoring potential. Uh, you wouldn't presume that that Travis Kelsey is going to catch all 50 of the touchdowns that Patrick Mahomes is about to throw. Um, so I, I think that this would be a, a shot, you know, like prior to this week, Rashi Rice was kind of my like, you know, if you really are desperate, you can play him. Um, but yeah. this week I have him as my wide receiver 22 overall. Nice. Just, you know, I, I think this is going to be the right matchup for him. And my my fingers are crossed that my <laughs> rankings do not make me look like a huge idiot uh, come <laughs> weekend. No, I am with you. I love the matchup. And we just need like Patrick Mahomes to be a better Rashi Rice advocate to, to Andy Reid and company. And, and mm -hmm. you know, say we got to get this guy on the field more. He's doing what he can when he's on the field. He's looking for him, like we said. So um, you do like that a lot for, for Rashi Rice. But um, on the Minnesota side, the, the only player that I think well that I I'm I'm looking to talk about is Alexander Madison. I, I think it's another positive matchup for him. It's this is really the third one in a row um, after a couple of tougher matchups to kick off the year, um, and then yeah, positive matchups. Wouldn't you know it lead to better uh, weeks as far as fantasy production goes. He he's had over 90 rushing yards um, in each game, 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, the Chiefs D line ranks 24th in run defense grade. Uh, they're allowing uh, 0.1 yard or 1.4 yards before contact per attempt as well, which is below league average. The Vikings O-line is third in run blocking grade. So just equals another positive matchup here for, for Alexander Madison. And I think considering the workload, he's probably somebody that's going to be in your fantasy lineups this week. Again, I'm not overly concerned about, about Cam Akers getting, you know, a significantly larger role this week. No, I, you know, we saw uh, a season low 69% of offensive snaps for Alexander Madison, but it's not far below what he had been playing prior to that. Still had 18 touches on the week, which you love to see that and, and has seen a, an increase in efficiency every single week this season uh, in terms of his yards per carry. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, again, a lot of what we saw, those struggles came against some challenging defenses. And, you know, wouldn't you know it? Yeah. Once, once we see some better matchups, he is more productive. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, we're starting Justin Jefferson as well. But how about Jordan Addison? How are you feeling about him? Because he's he's had a, a couple of down weeks now. Um, obviously, yeah, he had a zero-point performance in there as well. So probably not the greatest matchup. So it, it, would you be comfortable starting Alexander Madison this week? Or uh, Jordan Addison, sorry. They sound the same. They do sound the same. Um, you know what? No, I am really uh, honestly not like, I, I think there's yeah. plenty of, of scoring potential here, but I also think that the Kansas city chiefs are, are playing better on defense than, than they have in some time. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be conducive to, yeah. um, you know, a, a great 
position for Jordan Addison, an inexperienced wide receiver, um, who's who's you know obviously playing as as the third fiddle here. Um, they're trying to establish the run. Like I, I think the the approach for this, right? The best way to play defense against Patrick Mahomes is to try to keep him off the field. Um, and a great way to do that is by establishing the run if you can. Um, you know, I, I think that that you know is going to lend itself to again trying to establish the run with Alexander Madison and not necessarily um, by trying to keep this as a, a high flying pass attack because you know what, like you go three and out and you hand that ball back to Patrick Mahomes and it takes him all but 45 seconds to march down the field. Or if you're like uh, they were last week uh, in prime time, they just possess the ball for, you know, another 45 minutes of the game. It feels like, <laughs> and, and run out the clock and you never have a chance. Like you have to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes, hands. And I think the way they're going to do that is by trying to control this game with the run as best they can with Alexander Madison, with that offensive line. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, look, the Chiefs too, their defense allowing just 5.9 passing yards per attempt, which is fourth best in the league as well. So it's not a great matchup for the uh, Minnesota passing game here. And that specifically speaks, I guess, to Jordan Addison, because you're you're starting TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. Um all right, let's go to Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. This should be a good one. Um who are who do you want to who do you want to start with here? Um because there's some interesting players on both sides. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting matchup because you've got two of the league's best defenses going toe to toe here. Obviously, both of these teams have plenty of power on offense. Uh the the San Francisco 49ers maybe a little bit more, but I also mm-hmm. think uh for as as you know, much that the 49ers gain in terms of their offensive edge here, the Cowboys probably have an equal defensive edge over the 49ers. Like this is probably one of the, the most interesting matchups in the, the week. Um, so I think we could start on either side of the ball. Let's start with the 49ers. You're obviously starting Christian McCaffrey, even against a, a crazy Dallas Cowboys defense. What are we making of the receiving core though for, this 49ers defense because I I have to uh or this 49ers offense I'm a little bit worried um you know even for as as well as Brock Purdy has executed the offense as he's been asked is this matchup going to be conducive for uh you know anything in terms of these receivers yeah so I'm super intrigued by this matchup for for both sides like you said but I'm I'm mostly interested in Brandon Ayuk, who has been uh, amazing so far this year, but he's facing the man-heavy Dallas defense. Uh, Dallas has deployed the second-highest rate of man coverage so far this season, but Brandon Ayuk has earned the second-highest receiving grade, a 91.4 against man coverage this season. He's posted more fantasy points per route run, 1.27 against man, than any wide receiver in the league, but... Dallas has earned the league's best team coverage grade while in man this year. They've allowed just 3.98 yards per coverage snap, which is fourth best as well. This is like a battle of the Titans matchup here for me with with Brandon Ayuk versus this Cowboys defense. I'm very excited for that. I'm very concerned for Brock Purdy uh, going against that Dallas pass rush. I think that's going to play a huge part in what these wide receivers can do. Um, 
Debo Samuel specifically stands out but as somebody that I'm a little bit more concerned about. He's had limited success against man coverage, just a 15 point, uh, just a 15% target rate against man, uh, 0.32 fantasy points per route run, which is 50th, 57th receiving uh, grade versus man as well at 65.6. So guys like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, um, who's also not seen like a great target rate on pressure dropbacks. Um, He's sixth on the team in receiving grade with a 52.3 on pressure dropbacks, 11% target rate on those pressure dropbacks, which is fifth on the team, which has led to just two catches for 14 yards. So it's hard, right? Tight end is, is, is a crap show as we know. So you're potentially playing George Kittle this week, but where he could be avoided, I, I think he should be. Same thing with Debo Samuel. McCaffrey and Ayuk are probably the two that I'm playing just because I I I think they've they've earned it. But uh, man, it's gonna be tough against this Dallas defense. They are very, very good. Yeah, I could picture this being a very low scoring game and yeah. and a bit of a defensive struggle, even even despite the amount of talent on both sides of the ball. Um, kind of with you there, George Kittle, we know has been just generally kind of a volatile fantasy mm-hmm. fantasy asset to begin with. Um, you know, matchups kind of excluded here. Um, Brennan Ayuk, it, you know, you love the talent there, but I, I do think he's been uh, just a little bit safer here. So totally with you there. How about on the Cowboys side of the ball? Cause they also have a very tough defensive matchup. <laughs> I'm not looking to, to, you know, at, you're starting your CD lambs. Uh, you're starting your Tony Pollard's because you don't hashtag sit your studs. Uh, but I think you have to temper expectations across the board. I am not under any circumstances playing Dak Prescott against this 49ers defense. Um, you know, I'm I'm gravitating away from even uh, tight end Jake Ferguson, who uh, we've been very high on. He's been a top 10 fantasy tight end this season. He's been very involved from a, a target standpoint, but I think that this is generally just going to be an inefficient day. Um, and you have to trot out those that you must and don't roll the dice with the rest. Yeah. It, it's a tough one for like, like DFS Sunday night football showdowns and stuff. Like, I don't know how you, <laughs> yeah. I you don't play, know how you, you have to play both roster. defenses. I feel like I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If you could put like a, a defense in maybe one of the wide receiver spots or something like that, it would be, <laughs> yeah. it would be good. Cause yeah, even CD lamb, right? Like he's had really limited production on those pressure dropbacks. And I think there's going to be a ton of them um, in this game. He has three catches for just 42 yards, 61.4 receiving grade in those situations as well, which is fifth on the team. Like you said, it's not that you're sitting him, but you're tempering expectations there. Uh, and he, you know, if you can afford to avoid him, if you have like the deepest of wide receiver, um, uh, uh, deepest of wide receivers on your roster, then maybe you, you can afford to bench him. But otherwise, I can't see you benching CD Lamb. It's just like you said, could be a low scoring game um, with the potential for for a lot of these guys to kind of bust this week. But um, excited for it for to watch some maybe some good defense on Sunday Night Football with these pass rushes, I guess. Hashtag uh, IDP, baby. This is yes, the streaming matchup for your IDPs, maybe. I don't know. I'm not oh, an yeah, IDP no. person, but it feels like a good one. <laughs> it's a good one for, yeah, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. They've all uh, got nice matchups here. Um, so, yeah, you like that for those guys for sure. Um, let's go to the final game of the week Monday night football. It is the Green Bay Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Kate. Not, uh, not 
I don't know. This is not a bad matchup for for some of our guys here. Um, where do you want to start uh, with the with these two teams? Yeah, let's start. Let's start with the the visiting Green Bay Packers, um, who you know continue, I think, to exceed most of our expectations. It's a, a decent matchup for Jordan Love. I, I'm not at all scared of this Raiders secondary. Um, you know, as, as long as this offensive line can protect Jordan Love. Um, I think that, you know, he's going to be able to deliver this ball and it's probably going to be um, a, a free for all um, just with this receiving core. You have Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. Um, what I'm really kind of intrigued about, though, as one of my favorite receiver options in this game is Jaden Reed, which a rookie wide receiver, um, you know, not necessarily like the top of everybody's radar um, and you know, it, like hashtag don't trust your um, rookie wide receivers, whatever, the, whatever your philosophy is. But um, Jaden Reed, I actually, you know, right now leading the team with 11 red zone targets, uh, this uh, Raiders offense or Raiders defense has allowed uh, the fifth most yards after the catch per reception to receivers, fourth highest touchdown rate in the red zone. I think this is a perfect matchup for Jaden Reed to eat a little bit. Um and it seems like he's got a really solid connection with Jordan Love. So he's kind of my my favorite matchup here against this uh, Raiders defense specifically. But I, I think generally speaking, we can expect a solid outing from the Green Bay Packers, um, see a good game from Jordan Love and, you know, maybe see a little bit of a bounce back in terms of that touchdown efficiency that was so high uh, through the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, this is this feels like another one of those like start your Packers um types mat type matchups here against this Raiders defense. I mean, I, I also really like Romeo Dubs uh, Dobbs this week. Um, even with Christian Watson coming back, um, the Raiders defensive line out of Supermax outside of Supermax Crosby has not been great at creating pressure this year. Um, and then you look at like what Dobbs has done on those clean dropbacks. He's earned a 29.8% target rate, which leads the team 18 catches, 179 yards, and all three of his touchdowns have come when there was no pressure on the play. So I think Romeo Dobbs is another guy this week. If you got him, you start him um, along with Christian Watson, along with Jaden Reed, along with Jordan Love. Um, there, there's potential there for this passing offense to, to have a big game against the Raiders. And Luke Musgrave, it would be nice if he plays in this game. I don't feel great that he will um, with the concussion. I don't know. I don't know if anybody, I thought I saw a stat uh, this week that anybody that received a concussion the prior week did not play the following week. So um, that is concerning, but it is a longer, it was a longer layoff for, for Luke Musgrave. So that, that potentially helps him playing on the Thursday last week to the Monday this week, but it, it does make it tougher um, to swap somebody in and out at, uh, on a Monday night game. So that's me. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> no, uh, we, we are a pro Luke Musgrave podcast here, but yeah, definitely looking, um, given the timing on Monday night football, looking for other options, um, if you can find them, I, you know, I'm, I'm not relying on Luke Musgrave. Hopefully we have, uh, you know, a, a good amount of insight as to his availability. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of planning for him not to be around, uh, in that case again, you know, it, fire up your Packers and yellow. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, how about on the Raiders side? Cause Josh Jacobs, um, 
you know, he's he had a good game last week, but it wasn't necessarily because of his rushing ability. He got he got a lot of passes, um, so that helped. But the Packers have also allowed the third most rushing yards this season, 621. They've allowed five rushing touchdowns as well. Jacobs has kind of struggled as a runner so far this year, um, but he's gotten the work as a receiver. He was RB3 last week in PPR, I believe. So should have a better time running the ball this week against the Packers who have struggled um, to kind of stop the run. So I feel pretty good about Josh Jacobs again this week. Yeah, love, love, love Josh Jacobs. Um, have him as a, a top three play this week. think it's going to be a, a good day. Um, but I don't think like you have a lot of questions about, you know, Josh Jacobs. Um, obviously you're, you're also starting Devonte Adams. I think the biggest question in this matchup for me is what do we do with Jacoby Myers? So, uh, return to, to the game. Um, you know, it has played over the last two weeks. Uh, you know, generally speaking, I think we've all been slightly surprised by his target share. Um, you know, 16 targets over the last two weeks did have a down week in week four though, against a chargers defense that I thought this was going to be a matchup where he was going to absolutely eat. So how are you feeling about Jacoby Myers at this point? Are you, are you willing to start him? Cause I think this is a matchup where I'm sitting back, but I don't know. Am I going to miss out on another 10 target outing for this guy? Cause he's had more of them than I expected this season. Yeah, he's been great. And and I think the, you know, the Aiden O'Connell thing last week kind of hurt him as well because he, he didn't play great uh, against the Chargers. Um, we, we all saw Khalil Mack with the six sacks as well. So he just like got destroyed um, in, in his first NFL start. So that, that was a bit of a problem, I think, for me as far as, you know, kind of holding back Jacoby Myers. But I think if, jo- uh, what's his face? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo plays in this game. What's his that- face? <laughs> what's his handsome <laughs> face? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy. G. Um, yeah, if he plays in this game, I think that helps Jacoby Myers and, and helps me feel a little bit better about starting him. Um, whereas, you know, if Aiden O'Connell's back in there, he showed some promise in the preseason, but I, I probably don't feel as good about him. Um, there might be better options th- this week that you can stream over Jacoby Myers because the Packers defense has been a pretty good coverage unit. Um, as much as they've struggled against the run, they've been better uh, defending the pass. So, that has me a little bit concerned about Myers, but I feel better. I, I would start him if Jacoby or oh my God, if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's in there. Okay. I think that's fair. Maybe a, a what the heck flex. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just he's, he's looked, he's looked really good this year and they, they've got him involved heavily. So that that's the main thing that I'm banking on is just volume with Jimmy G back at the helm. So um, we'll see if that comes to fruition on Monday night, but anything else in this Monday night football game that uh, you think is worth covering? No, go Jaden Reed. Go Jaden Reed. Yes, let's see it happen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, other than that, I mean, that is going to do it for uh, another weekly preview here. We covered all the games from week five. Hopefully you all found that helpful. We appreciate you very much tuning in. Um, a big, big thank you to Kate for joining me once again to break it all down. Kate, thank you. And and please, again, let the good people know what uh, you have going on at pff.com this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Kate Majuk and follow my work. Uh, we've got the uh, in case of emergency waiver wire ads coming out on Friday. And then, of course, on on Tuesdays, I've got um, the antic or panic report um, and the rushing report coming out on Wednesday. So um, stay tuned. That'll all be coming up over the next week. Nice. Yeah. The, the last minute waiver wire uh, 
article is a great idea, especially like as these, the injuries pop up kind of midweek and mm-hmm. stuff and kind of get us scared. So <laughs> definitely go check out that stuff um, over on pff.com from Kate. Uh, as for me, uh, we got the IDP fantasy report. It's out there. It's got the IDP waiver targets. Um, we, we recorded the IDP weekly preview last night um, for, for those looking for defensive stuff. Um, IDP rankings. We got the wide receiver man zone coverage report also out going through every single team and how their wide receivers have performed against different coverages this year. Uh, and then the offensive line, defensive line matchups to target and avoid will be out on Friday morning. So that's it from me. Uh, Nate and I will be back on Monday to recap week five. Hope you'll all tune into that. Good luck in your matchups this week. And until next time, peace out.